What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Build shit people want never give up avoid assholes question assumptions learn new ideas and always reward ambition These are some of the rules of business for Anthony Pompliano who is this week's guest on What Got You There Anthony is the managing partner at Full Tilt Capital, who is just acquired by multi-billion dollar asset manager Morgan Creek Capital Management. He is former sergeant in the U.S. Army, an employee of Snapchat and Facebook. Like his Twitter posts, Pomp doesn't hold back on this jam-packed episode. Anthony, thank you for joining us on What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. No, this is going to be a fun one. You, uh, you've got a pretty extensive background. You're doing some exciting things in a lot of different spaces. So excited to dive into that. But I want to know, how did you first end up going into the military? Um, I, uh, I'm not really sure. Right. I think uh, it was something that I always thought was uh, was cool. Um, I grew up the oldest of uh, five boys, and so we probably played uh, days worth of uh, you know cops and robbers and all that stuff. Uh, as kids. And, um, when I was uh, 17 years old, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go do this. And so, uh, I walked into a recruiter's office and, uh, less than a year later found myself getting a, uh, a buzz cut in a new uniform. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a risk taker? Um, I, I think that, uh, I probably take uh, calculated risks, but, uh, my, uh, my business partner always jokes that, uh, he's never met somebody who's considered a risk taker who talks so much about, uh, you know, downside risk protection and risk mitigation. So, uh, we probably would debate that for quite a while. <laughs> so, uh, when you actually are deployed, what's your time like in the military? Any good takeaways? Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, the, the army really gave me a couple of things, right? One, um, it uh, it allowed me to see a part of the world that most people don't get exposed to, um, in terms of uh, just all the conflict that's there. It makes it a little you know difficult for people to travel there. I think too, um, it really uh, unearthed a lot of um, you know leadership qualities and and really kind of taught me what it was like to uh, to kind of take ownership of things. Um, I think that uh, the third thing is uh, it showed me. Um, both the positives and negatives of uh, violence and, and how violence um, kind of interacts with the uh, geopolitics. Um, and then I think the fourth thing is, uh, you know, when you're at war, um, there's this constant feeling of uh, it could all end immediately. And so uh, I think that, um, you know, after I came back, um, I, uh, I really just appreciated, um, you know, things in life that maybe I didn't otherwise have uh have such a deep appreciation for. And so, uh, I've just tried to, you know, kind of go full speed since then. I mean, you mentioned your transition back. What is it like reentering civilian life? What did you start doing right when you got back? Yeah. So for me, um, it, it, I kind of, uh, cheated a little bit, right. Um, in the sense that, uh, most of the guys I was deployed with came back and, uh, went back to kind of, you know, nine to five day jobs. Uh, for me, I actually had gotten deployed during college, uh, and so went back into school. Um, and my transition was probably softened a little bit by, um, you know, this idea that, uh, um, you know, you're in a, in the military, you're in a small group. Um, you've got, uh, you know, all males, um, you are in a violent culture, um, and you're all like working towards a goal, 
right? And so when I went back to school, I was playing football. And so you're in a small group, uh, all males, violent culture, and you're working towards a goal. And so, uh, you know, the biggest difference is obviously there's no weapons and no one's going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a, a nice kind of on-ramp back to, uh, you know, civilian life um, that, uh, that unfortunately a lot of the guys that I had deployed with, you know, didn't have the opportunity to, uh, to experience. Yeah, no, I haven't really heard that thought process and, and how you articulated that about entering that almost violent-like atmosphere again and kind of helped you get used to, to going back into civilian life. So it's kind of cool and interesting to hear about. So then what's next? Uh, I think you played football at Bucknell, correct? I did. Yep. Yes. So then what what did you do after that? Played football there, uh, graduated, uh, ended up building um, two small technology companies in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, sold uh, the first one in uh, 2012, sold the second one at the end of 2013. And then I went out and uh, ran a bunch of different product and growth teams at uh, Facebook and Snapchat. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear about how you actually ended up taking the job at Facebook. What did that look like? Were you looking to join a big company like that? Um, really what I, I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, to be honest. Um, and part of my thought process was, uh, Hey, I can kind of build these, uh, smaller technology companies and flip them for, you know, singles and doubles. Um, and you know, that's a great life to have, but I think my ambition level was to build, uh, you know, larger companies. And so, um, there was two paths that I kind of identified. One was, Hey, if I can go to business school, right. And, 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 you know, figure out how to do that via an academic route. Um, or I can go and, uh, and basically, you know, learn from people who, ha- who have done it and are doing it. Um, and, uh, the deciding factor for me was, uh, that, um, you know, one of those paths you pay them to learn and the other path they pay you to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. And so well, that, that kind of made the decision pretty, uh, pretty easy. Any good takeaways you had while working at Facebook? I, I'm even thinking about just their interview process, and I've heard they they put you in some interesting scenarios. Is that correct? Yeah, the interview process is pretty cool. Um, so it's, uh, you know, on the product manager side, basically there's three separate uh, focuses, um, and so you interview with three different people. They're, you know, paying attention to things like leadership, execution, et cetera. Um, and... Uh, I think the part that I enjoyed the most uh, about the interview process, both as you know the person being interviewed and then later as the person doing the interviewing, was uh, kind of the freedom, right? So um, there was no hard questions or, or I'm sorry, like hard fast rules as to hey you have to talk about these questions. It was more of um, I remember one interview that I went through. Uh, I walked in and they literally just said, "What would you improve about Facebook, right? And how would you do it?" And so it was kind of these open-ended questions that really allowed you to, um, you know, show them what it would be like if you worked there. And so I think that's always, um, you know, pretty powerful. Um, and then I think, you know, Facebook, uh, kind of post interview, um, is, it's a really special place, right? And so, uh, I think that their culture of let's move incredibly fast. Let's make sure that we have the best people at the table. Um, let's not be afraid to fail. Um, and let's have this culture that's driven by data and, and kind of iterative testing. Um, you know, there's not very many companies in the world that, uh, that, that have been able to build that culture. And, uh, you know, the, the results speak for themselves. I mean, I definitely want to jump into your hiring process when we jump into full tilt here in a minute. But I'm curious, why such the short stints at Facebook? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think that, uh, my entire life, um, everything that I've done, I've kept rather short. Um, and my belief has always been, uh, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, brag about 10 years of experience doing something. 
right? And what you actually find is that uh, they don't have 10 years of real experience doing that thing. They have two years of experience five times, right? And and so, you know, look, I'm, uh, I'm about to turn uh, 30 years old, right? And when I look back at kind of all the things that I've been fortunate enough to be able to do, um, you know, one of the things that I credit uh, the most with is uh, this sense of urgency that I've had in terms of, you know, once I felt like I've gotten 80% of the value out of something, I've, you know, never apologized for, uh, you know, being ready to move on to the next experience or, or, or the next uh, role. Right. And I think that uh, that's something that, you know, is, um, you know, most people my age kind of have that, uh, have that inclination. Some people follow it, some people don't. Um, but, but I think that that will only continue to be uh, more and more popular, um, you know, over time. Yeah. No, you and I is basically same age here and very similar thought processes. And I just love how you articulate that once you get that 80% value out of there. Uh, so it was cool to hear that. And then you transition into full tilt. So you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, look, we uh, uh, partnered up with my buddy, uh, Jason Williams, and we basically said, hey, I think that we can go and, uh, and find the best teams and technologies at the earliest stages uh, in the United States. And so uh, we set out to do that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of investors uh, will make investment decisions solely based on uh, teams. Right, so they find teams they uh, really like and they want to back, and uh, and they back those teams. But very few are actually willing to admit that that's what they do. Right, everyone feels like that's just too simple. Right, it, it's not a, a true defendable uh, investment thesis. Uh, we kind of took the um, the opposite approach and we said, look, that's exactly what we're going to do. So that's what we're going to tell you we're going to go do. Right, and so we said we're just looking for the best founders and we're going to back those founders and we think that that strategy will prove, um, you know, exactly what a uh, you know, what, what we need, um, to, to build a successful portfolio that returns, uh, capital to investors. And, uh, so we did that, um, over the last 18 months or so, uh, we invested in, uh, 61 companies and, um, you did 61 in 18 months. We did, man, and you guys have been busy, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's called full tilt for a reason, yeah. right? <laughs> Not uh, messing around there. And, uh, and so, uh, we've already returned in 18 months, we've already returned more capital to our, uh, investors than we've written off. And so for any fund, um, that invests as early as we do, uh, basically the first 18 to 24 months is, um, you know, a high period of write-offs. Um, and then over time they're able to, uh, monetize the investments that work out and, uh, and actually start returning capital to investors over, you know, usually kind of year three, four and beyond. Um, and, and so that period where they're writing off a bunch of companies and not returning capital, um, is known as like a J curve, right? Basically you, you go negative, um, on the financials and then, you know, you recover as the, as the companies that worked out, um, you know, begin to, uh, to yield, uh, returns. And so, uh, you know, we feel really good about being in a position where, um, you know, we've returned more capital than we've written off. Um, and uh, we've been incredibly fortunate that our founders have, uh, have held up their end of the bargain, right? So when we invest, a lot of times we tell them, look, what you're telling us today, we don't think you're going to end up building, right? We think you're going to end up doing something else or, you know, you're going to slightly tweak it or the market's going to change, but we're betting on you because we think you can get the job done. And, uh, and our, and our founders have done a fantastic job of, uh, you know, basically getting results. And so I think you see that in, um, you know, companies that are raising capital, uh, following capital from the likes of, you know, Andreessen, NEA, uh, Founders Fund, Lowercase, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, we're incredibly proud uh, to, you know, be backing those companies. I mean, you, you're really someone who thinks differently. I would love to know your process 
first going out, identifying one of these founders, are there key traits you're looking for? And then can you walk us through what the timeline is like as you identify these founders? Are you going out to meet them? Are you are you sitting in on meetings with them? What does that look like? No, I, uh, I don't want to meet him in person before we make an investment decision. Um, if I could, I wouldn't even talk to him over the phone. I just talk to him over email. Um, Why is that? And, uh, I think that a lot of human bias enters the equation when uh, when you do that. And so, you know, I think you see it in the data, right? Uh, we invest in 61 companies. Uh, over, I think it's like 22, 24% of our founders uh, ended up being, uh, of our team that ended up being female founders, right? And, and so uh, we invested in an uh, all African-American female team. We invested in an all female L, uh, LGBT team. We invested in multiple all immigrant teams. Um, and so there's a level of diversity to our portfolio that, you know, frankly, we really don't care. Like, I don't care if you're green, blue, white, black, I, doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you're male, female, we want to back the best founders. And so, um, you know, I think that it's shocking to most people that you can have a portfolio that is highly diverse yet, uh, performing so well, uh, without out being, without that being your mandate. Right. There's plenty of funds that are out there that say, hey, we're going to invest in FEMAs. We're going to invest in, you know, uh, minorities or whatever. And and we kind of took the opposite approach. We said, look, we're just going to back the best people. And if we do that, we think that, uh, you know, we'll end up having a diverse portfolio. And the data proves that, you know, that ended up playing out. What's something every single one of your founders has? They just don't give up. Is that persistence? Yep. It's just, I mean, that, that's the number one thing, right? Because guess what? If you give up, you got no shot, <laughs> right? So, so if we're going to zero, if you give up, so as long as you don't give up, we, we're at least you know, not, not guaranteed to go to zero. And then we got to figure everything else out. And so I think persistence is by far the number one thing. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's Mike Maples that, uh, that I heard say one time, um, that, uh, you know, the best companies basically stay alive long enough to find product market fit. Right. And, and so that's, that's what you got to do. Um, so I think that's one, uh, I think that our founders also have, uh, you know, obviously all the, all the normal stuff that you would look for and, you know, incredibly high levels of intelligence, uh, empathy, uh, leadership abilities, et cetera. Um, but, but I think the other thing that, uh, that they have other than the persistence that, that most people don't realize, um, is that they, they, they just are driven by something very different, right? So, so it relates to persistence, um, but but their motivations for why they're doing it. Um, you know, you, you talk to founders and you'll ask them, you know, why are you doing this? You're incredibly smart. You could be working on a million different things. Like, why this, right? And you can just tell when a founder's heart is in it versus, you know, their wallet or their, you know, or their brain. And so we're looking for the founders whose hearts are in it. And, you know, basically they would, uh, they'd rather go down with the ship than, uh, than close shop. And so, you know, if we can find those people, we'll bet on them all day. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. 
perfect before a workout or a study session. Their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. How do you find that passion when you're communicating over email or even in person with one of these founders that you know they are all in and will do whatever it takes? You can't bullshit it, right? And if you try to bullshit it, it becomes even more obvious. And so, you know, it's not a like rah rah thing of like, oh, if I just scream and yell enough, like, then people are going to think I'm passionate. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll give you an example, right? So uh, we invested in a, uh, a team of two brothers who are building a mobile app um, that has to do with mental uh, wellness uh, because their mother experienced a, a bout of uh, depression, right? And so you talk to these kids and they literally built it in their basement, the two of them, uh, and they bootstrapped it to, uh, to a pretty uh, respectable place around um, you know, they had like 150, 170,000, uh, you know, unique downloads. Hmm. Right. And so like, you're talking, you're like, what are you guys doing? Like you, you basically have done everything that people have told you not to do around fundraising, you know, hiring a team, not working with, you know, family, like everything. And it was just obvious. They said, look, this is a company that we think, you know, needs to exist and we've experienced it firsthand and that's what we're gonna go do. And so, you know, we'll see if that company works out, right. Everything's going incredibly well now. But at the end of the day, like that's the type of people we want to back, people who are driven by, um, you know, something other than just making money. I mean, you guys are one of these companies who's not actually out in Silicon Valley, right? You're in Raleigh, North Carolina? Uh, yes. So so how did that come to be? Um, so that's where Jason lived. That's where I grew up. Um, you know, we just said, look, why can't we do it from here? It's 2017, um, you know, 2016, uh, whenever we got started and we said, you know, between uh, Skype, FaceTime, phone, email, there should be no reason why we can't do this. And uh, I, I, I uh, give all of my friends a hard time in New York and uh, in San Francisco um, because I tell them, I say, look, we probably have better deal flow than most of them and we don't need to be there, right? Because what you find is uh, when you don't have to you know, meet people in person all day long, you just got higher capacity for work. And so uh, that's ended up being uh, being a really good decision. Um, and then, you know what? I think founders really appreciate the idea of us not meeting them in person before we invest. I, I'm, I, would, I would actually argue, I don't, I don't know what that exact date is, but I bet you a quarter to maybe 35% of our portfolio, I've still never met the founder. Really? That high? Yeah, pro- pro- probably a quarter. Huh. I, I bet you 25% of the companies that we've invested, I've never met the founder. Man, so it seems like this has really worked out kind of as a unique advantage for you guys being based in Raleigh, huh? Yeah, I think that the other parts of it aren't just around like, you know, deal flow and things like that. It's also just, you know, um, we're not susceptible or or we're probably not as susceptible to getting caught up in like, you know, the hype deals, right? So all of a sudden something comes on the scene, every investor wants to pour cash into it and it's just like the new hot thing and, and there's a bunch of FOMO and all that stuff. For us, you know, it's really easy for us to kind of in our everyday life just look right, you know, through our day and say, hey, are people that you know, here in Raleigh, North Carolina, going to use this thing, right? And that filter is very different if you were to say, hey, are people here going to use this thing when you're in San Francisco or New York versus if you're in Raleigh, North Carolina? So I think that's a, uh, a huge advantage. Are you a Duke or Carolina fan? 
I'm a big uh, Duke fan, no. which uh, does not make me I so just, many. I, I'm a Tar Heel alone, so I actually just flew down to the game this week. <laughs> Can't believe that. So um, what are the tech spaces that you're most interested in right now? I mean, you're seeing a ton of different things happening. Yeah, so we're, we're almost exclusively focused on um, blockchain infrastructure uh, right now. Um, other things that I think we're excited about uh, are um, applications of AI in uh, healthcare um, and then a lot of life sciences. Uh, so we've backed a few companies that, uh, that we'll announce over the next couple months um, that I think are on the, uh, on the forefront of, uh, of kind of technology and science. Um, and, you know, I think we're in a position where uh, most of our LPs come from the medical space. Um, we've got everything from neurosurgeons to fertility doctors, et cetera. And so, uh, we've got a unique advantage in, uh, in evaluating some of that stuff and, and we're kind of doubled down on, uh, on making sure that, uh, we can help those, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, bring their ideas and technologies, uh, to market. I mean, this world seems like it's vastly changing every single day. So what are you consuming? Any blogs, books, things like that to kind of stay abreast of all of this? Uh, I'm really bad about uh, sticking to any one news source. So uh, I don't read the news at all. Um, I don't go to like a website and read anything. I don't get a newspaper, magazine, any of that stuff. Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, I get a couple of, uh, of newsletters, like email newsletters, um, things like uh, Term Sheet, Pro Rata. Um, I get one every Sunday morning called The Profile that I like. Um, you know, I, I also will read things like uh, Strictly VC, um, obviously uh, Farnham Street. Uh, you know, there's a whole, a whole host of them. And I just kind of curated uh, my news by, uh, you know, kind of opting into those email newsletters. And that's it. Everything else is books or, uh, or just sitting and thinking. How often do you just sit and think? I mean, it seems like with <laughs> all of these deals you guys are doing, you probably have very limited time to do that, don't you? I wish I had much, much more time. I, uh, I have tried this year, um, to read much more, uh, and then also sit and think. And, uh, sometimes I find myself having to make a, a trade off between the two. Um, but, uh, but, but it's definitely valuable and it's worth the effort to, uh, to make sure that I can uh, spend the time doing it. Yeah. You mentioned Twitter and your pinned tweet right now, my rules of business, build shit. People want never give up, avoid assholes, question assumptions, learn new ideas and always reward ambition. What made you pin that tweet? I tweeted it, and I thought about it, and I said, you know what? Every single person that comes across this account, that's all they need to know. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I pinned it. I don't even remember when I tweeted it, but it's been there for a long time, and uh, who knows if I'll ever take it down. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that advice. And, I mean, you're someone that everyone listening should be following on Twitter right now. You throw out some great nuggets, so it's always cool to see what you're posting every single day. What are you most looking forward to in 2018? You kind of mentioned some of the new companies, new technologies you're interested in. Anything really have you fired up? Um, I think uh, blockchain-wise, I think that um, this year uh, we'll see Bitcoin hit a uh, much higher price than it is now. Um, I think that we're getting close to one of the large technology companies. I keep thinking this going to be Tesla or Amazon to introduce some sort of token um, I think that we will um, see uh, a stable coin uh, and a fair coin kind of take uh, global adoption uh, in the next 18 months. Um, on the technology side, I think that 
we are probably a little bit farther out than people want to admit when it comes to self-driving cars, but I think that'll obviously be a huge inflection point. Um, I think that, uh, something that I, that I'm really interested in, uh, is robotics in healthcare. Um, so I think that we're getting close to the point where, uh, we can actually have, uh, robots doing, uh, some of, if not a majority of surgeries, I think that will, uh, that'll drastically uh, change things. Um, and, and then ultimately, uh, I, I'm actually, uh, really interested in, in um, what I kind of just put in the category of consumables, right? So this is, uh, all sorts of, um, you know, different, uh, narcotics, opioids, um, you know, cannabis, et cetera, that, um, you know, either we shouldn't be putting in our body, um, I put sugar in that category, right. Uh, or things we should be putting in our body and we're not. Um, and, and so just, you know, that whole space really fascinates me on how, uh, things, um, that we can take from the external, uh, and, and, and kind of put inside of our body can, uh, can affect us. You mentioned one of these big tech companies really implementing one of these tokens. What do you think happens to the entire crypto space once that takes place? You think there's much more buy-in from the U.S.? I think there are probably four or five major inflection points that will happen over the next like two years. Uh, one of them is, um, you know, a large tech company announcing a token. I think a second is uh, multiple states uh, or the federal government um, passing a law where they will accept cryptocurrency uh, for taxes. Uh, we're, we're getting close in Arizona, um, but I think that'll be big. Uh, I think three is um, the first major bank that uh, announces a trading desk, which I, ha I think will happen this summer. Um, I think that uh, along with that, the first uh, major bank or private equity shop that begins using tokenized debt and tokenized securities in their practice will be a major inflection point. Uh, and then the fifth one is um, I think that there is uh, you know one day a global digital currency, right? And so I think that. Uh, We'll get there. That's probably a little bit farther out. But uh, when that happens, uh, I think that uh, you know, the world's going to look a lot different than it is today. Yeah, no, that certainly would. I mean, how long do you think that would even take to implement a global digital currency? Uh, I don't think that it's a binary switch, right? And I think that it coexists with fiat. But I do think that slowly, um, you know, country by country, you get buy-in and people kind of sign up to, uh, to accept it or, or allow their citizens to use it. And so you're probably looking at, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 years, uh, for it to actually like take hold with the majority of, uh, the developed world. Um, but, uh, but, but it's coming. What about just you personally in the blockchain space? What has you most excited? Uh, I think that, uh, mining is one of the best, uh, businesses in the world. Um, just if you look at it from an infrastructure investment and return on uh, invested capital, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I am a, a huge fan of, uh, exchanges, wallets, et cetera. I think that, uh, we have yet to see, uh, a true exchange, uh, or wallet experience done correctly for mass, uh, consumption by, you know, the non-technical audience. Um, but, but it's coming as well. Any projections on when you think that's actually going to hit? Uh, I think the next 18 months, we'll see it at least launched. It'll take a while for, uh, us to flesh out what the, uh, what the winners are. Um, but, but, uh, you know, I know a couple of projects that are underway that I think are, uh, they're, they're inching closer and I don't know if it's them or, or, you know, kind of the next iteration, 
but uh, but we're definitely you know already have better experiences built than we had you know 18, 24 months ago, and so I think that uh, the kind of acceleration um, of quality and products will uh, will will we'll continue. Cool. That's awesome. Anthony, I'm, I'm pumped to hear some of these quick hit questions. I usually ask all my guests. So if you're ready for it, I will start blasting away some of these. If you want to take them longer, please feel free to do so. I'm curious to hear your thoughts around these, but what apps are you constantly using every single day to make your life easier? Uh, Twitter and, uh, Every mass messaging app under the sun, I probably got like 15 of them on my phone, <laughs> but, that, but, but all of them. What haven't you accomplished yet? Oh, man, I, there's a ton left to accomplish. I, we, we don't have enough time to talk about it I want to know what comes front of mind for you. I mean, you you mentioned how quickly you move from certain things. I, I would love to know what's on your hit list right now. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people uh, when you think about life and, and kind of what is the uh, what is the goal of all this? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of two things, you know, one, the people who are fortunate, um, have an obligation to, uh, give a lot of that back and help other people. Uh, and then the second thing is I think that every single person, um, kind of when it's all over, you know, you look back and you say, Hey, that person did X, right. And, and there's some people who X is, uh, is something on a small scale or a large scale. Um, and, uh, you know, it's less about, which scale are you operating on and just more that, uh, that somebody can say you did X. And so, uh, you know, usually you can't tell what that is until, uh, until the final days, but, uh, I think that's on everyone's list. What seems to be stressing you out the most and how do you handle that stress in, in a business environment? I don't get stressed. Is that, is that true? You really don't? Nah, look, I, I've been to war, man. <laughs> there ain't nothing that's going to happen. That's going to stress me out. I mean, I, I just think that's a fascinating approach right there. And I mean, the, the real life experiences you've dealt with, any advice for people though that haven't had that wartime experience and how they can kind of manage nerves? Yeah, it's just not serious, right? We're all gonna die. Like, it's just it's just most of the things that I've seen people get, uh, get upset about. Um, I just kind of say, uh, I don't, uh, it's just not that important, right? And, and so uh, I think, you know, there's a whole bunch of people. I think there's Bezos. A bunch of people have, have used this, and um, I, I think I probably use some variation of it. But it's like you know, in five years, ten years, when I'm 80, you know, whatever you want to do. If I look back at this situation, like, am I even going to care about this? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's probably some high percentage of situations where people get stressed that the answer is no. And so if you just think about, hey, in five years, am I going to care about this? If the answer is no. Then just move on. Right? And who cares? Um, and, and so I think that, uh, you know, when I was younger, that definitely wasn't my mentality, mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, uh, you kind of just realize that, uh, that life is short. Oh, that's amazing advice. Is there anything you ever do to really get in your zone of genius where you're feeling most creative deals are just coming front of mind for you? Um, no, I, th- I think, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of running, but, uh, but for some reason when I go running, uh, that, uh, that'll help sometimes, um, taking a shower, right? Uh, just kind of, you know, mindless activities that, uh, that, that allow your mind to wander. Uh, I think, you know, we live in a world where our, our phones are glued to our hands and our noses are buried in them. And so anytime you can kind of just put all that stuff down and, uh, and, and do something that's a little bit, you know, less involved and let your mind wander is, uh, usually comes out with some, uh, some interesting outcomes. Yeah, interesting outcomes. I definitely experienced that during the showers and also just doing some of those mindless activities. So final quick hit question. What's the most memorable day in your business career? The most memorable day uh, in my business career. 
probably when I sold, uh, sold my second company. Um, it was, uh, it was a day that, uh, <laughs> there were many, many times where I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, and, uh, when you kind of pull it all off, I think you just kind of sit back and, you know, you take a deep breath and, uh, you're just like, all right, like I, I can, I can rest for one day and then, uh, and then tomorrow we're going to get up and go do something else. Did you do anything to celebrate? No, I literally took a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> just breathing out all that exhaustion. That, no, that's awesome. Uh, Anthony, this has been amazing. Where can the listeners stay connected with you? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, a Pompliano. Awesome. I will get that linked up in the show notes. But Anthony, man, thanks so much for joining us on What Got You There. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it so much. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. Perfect before a workout or a study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted the cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just one-third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Thanks got for you, listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.